Welcome to episode 77 of the AAEM RSA Resident Student Podcast Series, a production of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. This episode is a recording of a live webinar that took place on September 28, 2020. In this episode, Leah Colucci, AAEM RSA Medical Student Council Vice President, interviews Drs. Asma Hashim and Nahal Nikuru. Today, AAEM RSA members discuss EM interviews. So to get started with some introductions, my name's Leah. I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Miami. Um, and I want to, um, I'm the MSC uh, AEM vice chair. So I just wanted to, to get this going. So I'm gonna hand it off to our wonderful panelists and I'm gonna ask them to introduce themselves, tell us what medical school they're from, what residency program they attend and what year they are. Hey everybody, nice to meet you. My name is Asma. I uh, graduated from Midwestern University in Chicago and I am a second year resident at Cook County Emergency Medicine. Hi everyone, my name is Nahal. I graduated last year from University of California, Riverside. I just went through all of this entire process and I matched to HealthQuest Vassar Brothers Medical Center Emergency Residency Program. Wonderful. So we know that this is a very unique year. So our, our topic tonight that we really want to focus on is the interview um, and just the experiences of our panelists for, through their interview last year and if they have any advice this year. So before we get into the interview, if you guys could just tell us uh, why did you choose UM and how did you know it was right for you? Because we're definitely all going to be asked that uh, on the interview trail this year. So I chose emergency medicine because I am the type of person that honestly gets bored very easily. And I love that you get a spectrum of disease processes that enter through the door. It's one of the coolest specialties ever because when you come into the ED, you really have no idea what comes in. And so you can have the bread and butter stomach aches, which you would think would be boring. And then well, bam, something crazy happens and you realize it's not a normal stomach ache. And all of a sudden this person's crashing and you have to do everything to save their lives versus people who come in with dramatic traumas or things like that. And then you're just jumping in and eating with that. It's never a boring field. And I also realized that a lot of um, EM residents and attendings all have my kind of personality type, which is, you know, like they're adventurous and that they are hardworking. We work hard and we play hard. And so I just, I felt like a sense of belonging to the emergency medicine community. And I just, I really like the fact that, you know, you can get all spectrum of medicine. And then on top of that, for me, it was really important to kind of serve the underserved community. And the emergency medicine is one of the few uh, keys to medicine. You know, you're going to get a lot of patients who have not seen physicians in years, especially during COVID times, they'll come in for something that could have been resolved in a couple of weeks that they've been holding on to for months because of COVID, they couldn't see their own physician, or they lost their jobs, they don't have insurance and things like that. You are their only provider that that they're going to see. So you are just in some ways, the key to a lot of medical pathologies and helping these underserved uh, individuals that come into the ED. And I love the fact that by law, I am not allowed to say no to anyone that steps foot in the door. I don't care what ethnicity, religion, uh, insurance you have, it doesn't matter. Everyone's equal. And I love that I get to treat everyone as an equal and not care anything about them besides why they're here and how I can help them. Very tough act to follow. <laughs> Sorry. The bar very high. So I, I mean, I can't say, you know, I have to echo everything that Nahal said, and I'll just add a couple of things that were unique to me and my experience. So one of them is that I was a scribe before I started medical school, worked in the emergency department. So I felt that I was kind of predisposed. I knew that environment was right for me. And then I would say everything else. I found my people when I started to go to EM outings and met other emergency medicine physicians. I really felt like we jived well. And I think 
Also the equality aspect that Nahal is highlighting, it translates to our workplace as well. In the emergency department, every member of the team is equal and valuable. From the tech to the nurse, to the environmental service staff, everybody is important. And I never felt like a hierarchical aspect to that when I worked in the ED. And that was something very important to me and somewhere I felt comfortable. Wonderful answers, thank you. So. Can you each tell us about your interview experiences, highlighting on what stands out as a great experience that you had during the interview, and then maybe touching on some negative experiences as well? I would say, do you mind if I go first on this one? Oh, please do. Yes. So I would <laughs> say that my interview experiences range from absolutely amazing to I only had a few challenging experiences. For the most part, I think you'll find across the board, people in emergency medicine have a very similar laid back personality where like, they're amazing. They hear, they're here, they get the job done, but they're also very real people and they have very real lives and passions outside of medicine, which makes us very relatable and easy to talk to. And I felt like that translated well on all of my interviews. I went on, I believe, 13 or 14 total interviews. Um, I was a DO student, and this was when the DO match was still separate. So I had some DO-only programs, which kind of bumped up my number of interviews. But I felt like overall the process was smooth. One negative experience I had, which the, the places that are not a right fit for you, they will declare themselves in some way during the interview process. I had a interview where I, I was asked like why I would want to be there since the patient population doesn't look anything like me. And uh, what that means is they were primarily a white community and they had noticed that in my resume that I had done a lot of activity with the underserved. And so one of the associate program directors kind of went on this tangent asked, told me that, you know, they really like to take care of people who look like their grandfather or their uncle, or that could be. And I was like, oh, I'm really happy for you, but this is not the right place for me. So for the most part, I would say like maybe 12 to 13 out of my like 14 interviews were amazing and about the same. A few really stood out and were amazing. And I was like, I would love to train here. Only one, I was like, I absolutely would rather match into something else than do this. And everybody else kind of fell in the middle. So for me, I had about 12 interviews myself. For the most part, I thought the interviews were fun. I had the induced panic moment where all of my co-meds group or everyone that I knew was getting this rush of interviews and I had none. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to scramble. This is the end of my life and all is over. But then, you know, they come in batches. And so I got my batch of interviews and I really enjoyed the process. As she was saying, it's completely true. You go to these interviews and you kind of find your people. There were some interviews where the interview process was fine, but the people that I interviewed with, I was like, I don't really want to work with you guys. Everyone just gave me like a weird, strange vibe. And then there were other interviews where I just, we became friends. You start seeing the same people in some of your interview trails and then you become friends and you connect with them later. Like there's some that I'm friends with. I'm in Poughkeepsie, New York, which is about an hour or so outside of New York City. And we still remain in contact with these people that we learned that that we interviewed with and we check in on each other. So it becomes kind of a fun process. I will warn you that anything that you put on your application is open for investigation and it's open for questioning. So if you put random things for your hobbies and things, you better own up to it or figure out a way to talk about it. Now, I don't know how it's going to work in the time of, uh, you know, COVID and the way that they're doing interviews online, but there is, there, there have been horror stories that program directors have told us where like a person wrote at the bottom, oh, I'm really into like card tricks and magic and a PD brought out like card cards and deck cards and told them, okay, let's do your trick. And the guy like clearly didn't know how to do anything. And it showed that he was a liar. Like, I'm not saying that there are these multiple horror stories, but I will have you know that anything and everything you put in is fair game. They will ask you everything about it. If you put an obscure research project that you did at the beginning of like first year of med school, then you kind of forgot about it and you know nothing about it. If they question you, you better have some kind of spiel or something that you know. 
And then um, I remember that they asked always, always asked why emergency medicine? And then followed by the second most dreaded question, which is, do you have any questions for me? And it's just like, there are some situations because it depends on where you interview. There are some places where you only interview two people. And there are some places where you interview like five different people. It's speed interview dating. And you, you have like, what, 10 or 15 minutes to interview multiple people. And at the end of each one, they would be like, do you have any questions for me? And so remember to definitely scour their website or any information that they have so that you can ask questions, appropriate questions later on, because sometimes it can be off-putting if you ask a question that's very clearly can be Googled or um, that can be reviewed, they'll answer it for you. But, you know, in these times, it's much better to bring your best A game forward rather than not. And I don't know how applicable this is going to be for this, but eyes and ears everywhere, everywhere. So that means residents, if you get a chance to talk to residents, do so. But at the same time, know that as much as you are judging them for their personality and whether you can imagine working with them in the future, they are also judging you. And there are multiple programs that use the residents as a way to rank uh, students that come in. They will put your information up on a projector and be like, hey, what did you think about this person? Did you like them? Did you not like them? So like this coming week, I know it's that EMRA panels and, and what's happening. And I know that several people want to go only with program directors or associate program directors. But I would advise you that if you have the opportunity to, especially for programs that you really want or you have time, you know, um, if there are opportunities for you to connect with residents, do so. Like, for example, my program is brand new. And our program manager and uh, my program director and APD have already told us if there's any med student that you really liked, anyone that you connected with, anyone you want us to pull their application out, they will do it for us. So these kinds of things, like the residents have a lot more say than you understand because they trust our judgment. This is like a new horizon of what to do and how they're going to do interviews. I asked my program director the other day, because I told them that I was going to do this, how they're going to do interviews and they said they still don't know. So I'm, I'm telling you a lot of program directors still don't know how they're gonna do the interview process, which means everything is up for fair game, which means take advantage of anything that you can have. So if you have residents that you can connect with, especially this week, I would do that. Even if you don't have a chance to get with their APD or PD, the residents can speak on your behalf. If they really like you and they feel like they wanna work with you in the future, that's another leeway for you to like connect and maybe get your foot through the door. It's funny that you mentioned becoming friends with people on the interview trail, because even with these like meet and greet Zooms, we're seeing some of the same people over and over again. And I'm starting to get friends from these Zooms, just being like, oh, I see. This is the third Zoom we've been in. Hey, how are you? So there's a little bit of an interview trail. A question came in from one of our guests. In a situation where you are uncomfortable, like in an interview, how do you suggest handling that? I can take that since I shared that situation. So one part of the process that you just have to accept is tensions are high. And I can't expect you as the interviewee to be able to just always hold your own, be calm and composed because you're worried about your future, where you're going to match, all the things that are going through your mind that were going through our minds too when we were going through this process. What I will say though is that you're a human being and you have the dignity of a human being and you don't deserve to be talked down to or made uncomfortable in any situation. So, you know, if, if a program makes you feel comfortable, what I would do and what I did is to just be true to myself and say like, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. I didn't say outright, obviously your program doesn't fit that, but I just reiterated for myself and advocated for the person that I am, that I'm proud of, and you should be proud of who you are too. So if anyone makes you feel uncomfortable on the trail, I would just say, advocate for yourself, say what you're looking for, what you want. It's okay to not be a good fit at a program. There's so many programs out there. You're not going to be a perfect fit for every single one. You're looking for the one or the top three or the top five that you think you could be really happy at, and you don't have to take anything from anybody. Beautiful answer. So another question that we have, what part of your ERAS application was most often brought up in interviews? So for me, I think it depends on how you present yourself. I was heavily involved with AAEM. 
I'm the chairperson of the wellness committee from AAM RSA. So I got a lot of questions about that because they were curious and interested in terms of all the things that I'd done and what I would bring to the emergency residency program should I go there. And then I did a lot of things with ultrasound. So that was also heavily brought up. And I'm telling you, every single place told me about my hobbies. Like every single place asked me about my freaking hobbies. I wrote in there that I love board games, which is true. I host board game nights every single place without fail. It's like they they themselves get bored of asking the same mundane questions. So they want to have a little fun too. So like my top question was always, so what's your favorite board game or what's the weirdest board game? And so it was just, just be, uh, be cautious of what you write in terms of like your extracurriculars or your hobbies. But yeah, that, that would be my, my top question. And then, like I mentioned, they're always going to ask you why emergency medicine and depending on where your location is, they are going to ask why. So for example, I did my undergrad in Southern California. I did my medical school in Southern California. And then when I interviewed in the Midwest and the East coast, they would always ask me like, what the heck? Like, why do you want to come to the East coast? Why do you want to come to the Midwest? And you better have a pretty good and decent answer as to why you want to do that. Because for a lot of the programs, they want someone that's going to be happy. Residency is tough. There's no way around it. So they want someone who they feel will have a good social network, a safety net, a family and support and someone that's going to be happy. So, you know, there was a lot of raised eyebrows for like a Southern California girl going to the East Coast with like four seasons and wondering why it's raining over the summer, you know, so like, you have to take that into account. And definitely every time that you interview, you're going to be especially if you have always been educated in one geographic location, they are going to ask you why their program, but not necessarily, oh, because um, I want to do emergency medicine, but more they're hinting towards why that particular region or what makes you think you're going to be happy in that side or that state or that city or town. I would say like Nahal, um, I had more leadership stuff on my resume and extracurricular activities. I was always asked about that, Um, especially things that are known in the EM community. Like I had been a fix ambassador that year that I was applying and it was brought up on every interview because everybody knows about feminine and people were really getting into fix. And so it was always brought up hobbies without a doubt. I think I wrote like, I love to read, which I do. I was asked what was the last book I read on almost every single interview. And then I wrote like, I love to cook, especially international food. And I was always asked like, So what's the most recent recipe that like you have made, you know, at home? So that's totally important. I, I would echo everything Nahal said about location as well. I grew up in Chicago. I went to undergrad medical school and now residency in Chicago. (laughs) So every interview I went on outside of Chicago, it was like a big shock to the interviewers. Like you clearly don't want to leave Chicago but you know, you have to come up with something. A lot of times I fed on, like, I have friends in the area. I have like relatives in the area. I'm going to have a support system. And like Nahal said, it's all about what they can do to make sure that your wellness is good as a resident and that you don't burn out. All great answers. You guys are on a roll. So another question that one of our participants sent in is, can you guys get touch on the best way to go about the, tell me about yourself question It's hard to do without just rehashing your resume. So do you have any tips on that? So for me, I originally dreaded this question and then I thought about it a lot and I realized they just, they want like a three or four sentence just to get to know you. And I touched a little bit on on my personal statement and talked about my journey in medicine. Um, I don't have mom, dad, uncles, aunts in medicine. So I always talked about how my parents were actually teachers and going into emergency medicine wasn't the plan. Going into medicine wasn't the plan. And then I I talked about how I ended up in medicine in the first place. And so those kinds of things were, were what I highlighted because like you said, I didn't want to rehash you know, my resume. I mean, there were times where if there was any red flags or anything that you think might raise some eyebrows, that would be a good time to maybe talk about it lightly, but also talk about your redemption from it or whatever. But that's honestly what I would do. And then 
you should practice your tell me about yourself uh, question with people, friends who aren't in medicine, people who are in medicine, because you're going to realize how incredibly difficult it is to answer that question to people who know you and love you. And imagine how weird it's going to be asking and answering to complete strangers. But that way they can give you really good constructive feedback. They can tell you, well, you came off as like, you know, that you're a know-it-all or you came off as way too like putting yourself down. So I would practice that question. I would have like a little thing or spiel that I would say, but make it about what you want. So for me, it was about my medicine and uh, my journey into medicine. Why did I want to, it was a combined kind of like, why did I do emergency medicine? But how did I get there in the first place? Because you must have an answer. You can't just randomly one day, I mean, maybe you can, that'd be weird. But one day, like you wake up and you're like, you know what, ER is for me. But for a lot of people, they thought about it. They went through this journey. Why did they even do medicine in the first place? All of these things make you who you are. And, you know, like you can talk about how if they're, if you're a social justice warrior, why are you a social justice warrior? If you're really interested in women's movement, why are you into the women's movement? If you're all about ultrasound, why are you all about ultrasound? Or like, I don't know, wilderness medicine is, is your passion. Why is wilderness medicine your passion? These kinds of things that you can kind of draw in and blend in together. So but definitely practice that question before you go on your interview trail and get some constructive feedback. To me, the tell me about yourself question is the most important question because yourself is who you're going to bring to residency. And that's ultimately what's going to matter. Anywhere you go, they're going to teach you bread and butter emergency medicine. You're going to thrive in the place where your personality fits. And so for me, my tell me about yourself was similar to Nahal's and it, it was about me. And I, I would implore you to think about it in the way that like, I was always like, I don't have hobbies anymore. I'm grinding in medical school. I grounded an undergrad and like, I don't know, there's nothing interesting about me, but you being you is very interesting. Not everybody has your story. So my tell me about yourself was I basically opened up and I said, Hey, my name's Asma. And everybody that knows me calls me Asma Appa and Appa means big sister. And this is why I was a big sister. This is why I was drawn to medicine. This is why I want to be a healer and take care of people. And this is who I am. And so I opened it like that. And I felt like it really encompassed my real life, my real personality. We all have resumes. We're all great. And that's amazing that we're in a community of great people, but only you are you. And so this is your chance to show the program who you are outside of your resume. So my next question is a little tricky. It's two parts. So what questions did you always ask the program director? And then what questions did you always ask the program residents? And when to not ask them of the program director? One of the questions that I actually really liked, but you have to get the vibe of the program too. I liked asking, especially program directors or residents, what is it that you like the least about your program? Or like, what is it that you wish that the program could improve on? Because you would get a lot of interesting answers from that and things that you never really thought about or you, you thought that you're supposed to think about would suddenly pop up. So that was a question that I asked. And then towards the end of the interview trail, everyone was bored. And, you know, it's just like after a while, everyone gets tired. And I stole this question from one of my other friends who's a resident out at um, U of Chicago. He told me that on his very last interview, both him and the PD were just like tired. So they asked, do you have any questions for me? And he turned around and he goes like this, you know, I'm just curious, like what's your favorite midnight snack uh, on shift, you know, the middle of the night. And then they discussed how they have like a deep love for pop chips or whatever. And so I also did that too, because I was curious, but again, the vibe of the program, like, you know, if you're at a very academically inclined program where they take themselves very, very seriously, that might not be wise to ask that question versus like, if you're talking to a resident and you can clearly see that they can, they're smiling and they can take a joke, you know, maybe you can ask that question, but Honestly, like it, it really depends on what you're trying to get out of the program. You know, like if you're applying to new programs, it would be good to ask what are, have they done so far to train residents for board exams? That 
would be a good topic to know because a lot of programs start training their residents for board exams since like week one versus other programs do not. Or let's say that you're passionate about, I don't know, AAM. Okay. So then a question I always asked was, okay, well, when back pre-COVID times now, we didn't realize it was apocalyptic in 2020, but like back then I had asked, well, you know, I, I really enjoy going to conferences, scientific conferences. Um, does the program, will the program support me if I want to go to these conferences and do these things? And they said hundred percent. Yes. Some said, you know, it depends. Like as an intern, you, you don't really have that kind of luxury. Other places were like, oh yeah, we let our residents every year, any conference that they want, we really encourage them to go and do that. So I think it, it's not necessarily that tricky. It's just, if you know yourself, what it is that you're trying to get out of the residency, then there are true questions that you can ask that cater to you, that it is meaningful and important to you. So something that I struggled with when I started the interview journey was I always kept thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to ask them a question that impresses them about me, you know, and like makes them look good. And like, you know, and then literally I think on my way to my first interview, I was like, hold on a minute. Like, who am I? Like, what do I actually want to know about the program? Like aside from what they tell me. So I had developed a few questions that like, if had not been answered during our very casual interviews, I would bring up. And one was always about something that I wanted for my career in emergency medicine, if I could get it for that program. For me, it was about how do you take residents in this program and develop the leaders of emergency medicine for the future? And so Uh, leadership involvement in extracurricular activities is very important to me. And I wanted to know like how the programs would support us and teach us leadership skills. And being in emergency medicine is about being a leader. You're always working in a team. So leadership skills are extremely important. The second question, I always wanted to know, like, you know, I like to be happy. And I think people in emergency medicine like to be happy. We work shifts and we, we work hard, play hard. That's our mentality. I wanted to know, like, are the attendings, are the residents happy? And so I would ask a lot of times, especially to attendings who had trained at the program and stayed on, um, I would be like, well, would you do it again? What did you, why did you stay here as an attending? Like, what was it about the program? And then the last question that I asked almost everywhere, regardless of if the environment felt comfortable or not, I'm really into like Marvel superheroes and DC comics. And I love that stuff. And so I would always ask if you could describe the residents that train at this program as a superhero, which one would it be and why? And it was really interesting. The answers that I got, you know, like I did get a lot of like supermans and I was always looking for the, the residency that said like, oh, I think Batman, because that's my favorite. So like the one that said Batman, of course, they gave it extra 10 points. But yeah, like have some fun questions, like they'll dig into your hobbies, have fun with it. And you should have fun with it, too, because what you're showing them is that you really belong in this community. You take things seriously when they need to be serious. And you're also willing to have a good time. And that's basically who we are. So because this year is very interesting, Do you have advice on how we should let programs know that we're interested in that program? Or um, should we wait until we don't hear back for an interview? That's a tough question because a lot of program directors in which I had spoken to, and I've been a part of these panels now, they, they have a rule where it's like, contact us one time. And if we don't connect with you or speak with you, don't like, continue to give us weekly emails because that is just, no, don't do that. I think if there's specific programs, okay, first of all, heads up, the emergency medicine community is very, very, very small. Okay. Like I said, like, you know, you start getting to know everyone and you start befriending everyone. So the cohort of program directors and APD is even smaller. They all know each other. So be very cautious 
when you are emailing program directors or APD, be extremely respectful and make sure that you present yourself in a very professional way and that you don't burn bridges. Because I cannot tell you, it is a very, like it's it's not an old wives tale, like it's not a horror story, it's actually legitimately true. Like if you really upset a program director or you do something horribly wrong, like it's gonna spread, you will be blackballed. You will call what we call DNR, do not rank, okay? So like be very cautious in how you approach program directors or APDs. Honestly, for me, I never cold emailed any program director because they tended to ignore my emails. What I would do is I would go to these kinds of conferences like EMRA and things like that. And I know that a lot of programs outside of EMRA, they have their own meet and greets. So, or if you have like the opportunity to meet and greet with a resident, that's your way in because what you do is you talk to them and then you email them when you have a follow-up question and then you establish that rapport and that relationship and then you have a reason to email them. Of course, if there's one program that you absolutely love and like you have this deep connection with, whether it's your hometown, your city, like your family lives there, something like that, then that's a different story. Then I would email them and let them know, you know, like this is my top program, honestly, and these are the reasons why. But you can't email every single program director and APD that this is your top program. They know when you do that. And if you do that to multiple people, when they talk to each other and they figure it out, then you're screwed. This has happened. I have spoken to program directors where they talk about this all the time. So don't do that. Be very cautious. Like if you want a program that badly and you tell them that they are my number one choice, you are my top, my favorite program, make sure that you're aware that you cannot really say this to any other program because the community is very small and they'll know. I think for this year, um, this may be the only aspect of the application that may be unchanged from previous years when you could go in person because you expressing an interest in a program that you maybe haven't heard back from yet, or like it's the beginning of the season and you want to hear back from, uh, there's kind of like no advantage to like having gone to the interview in person because you're you're looking for an interview, right? So this may be like the, the level playing field compared to previous years. I did not email any programs that I didn't hear from to kind of request an interview. That being said, I was from Chicago and it was my number one goal to stay in Chicago. So what I did was I set myself up to do other rotations if I didn't get an EM rotation at a program that had an ER residency. And then I would work my tail off and try to impress the attendings. And then towards the end, they would be like, they ask every medical student, like, so have you gotten an interview at this program yet? And you would, and I would say like, no, and I, this happened to me at two programs. So I said like, no, I did. I haven't heard back from the program. And I had already established a rapport with one of the attendings at each one of these sites. And they said, okay, well, I'm going to reach out to the program on your behalf. And I think when you have a resident or an attending from the program who reaches out on your behalf, you're very highly likely to get an interview there which I then subsequently did for both programs. So I would say like, try to set yourself up for success as much as you can. Now, my, I would echo the fact that only tell one program they're your number one. Don't tell multiple programs they're your number one. And in reality, sometimes between one and two, you may have a tough call to make, but we all know in inside, like which one is truly our dream program. And it's okay to reach out to their chiefs or their PDs or APDs and tell them, Hey, like you're my number one. I rotated at my number one program. And when I was leaving in my exit interview, I was like, this is my number one program. And I just carried that through. I didn't ever email my current PD, who was the PD at my number one program during the interview told us like, hey, if you say send us thank yous or whatever after the interview, that's amazing and that's great, but that does not in any way affect where you end up on our rank list. So I would just keep those kinds of things in mind. Like your interview is really your time to shine. If you want to get an interview somewhere, I think it's appropriate to send a kind email to the PD with the CC of like the program um, coordinator who are really the keys to getting you interviews um, and getting you in in the first place and I would just say like one time is appropriate and like if you ultimately don't get an interview you know there there's a reason 
and you will end up at a place that you will be happy. Now, if you have like, if your couple's matching, for example, and you really need to be somewhere and you're like significant other who's interviewing in that city, I would be very open and transparent with that and be like, look, I'm trying to couples match with my significant other who's going into this and I'm reaching out to this program because that's very practical and know that like, we're all adults here. We all have like regular lives and things outside of work. So we understand that like, if you have a significant other who might match in the city, like you deserve the right to be able to interview here as well. That will make you the most happy. So you brought up thank you notes. Do you guys mind telling us, did you send thank you notes? And if you did, did you email them, handwrite them, or how did you approach the post interview? I didn't send a single thank you note. I send a thank you note to every place that I interview. <laughs> and you know what? My program manager remembered my thank you note. So like she said, it doesn't necessarily increase or decrease your rank, but I'm Persian and we were taught always to send <laughs> thank you notes and it's just ingrained so deep in my soul. So, and for me, it was really easy, honestly, to write the thank you notes because what I would do is I would highlight kind of the, the things that I liked about the program, the things that um, really stuck out to me and, and I appreciated that they did this or they did that. Um, and then it depended on where I was. Sometimes I had like the thank you notes already in my little portfolio or whatever that I would bring on interviews and I would just quickly write two sentences and hand it to the program manager and it was like done. Other times you can just email them. Um, I valued a thank you note. I feel like there are some places that would appreciate it. There are some residency programs that do like the thank you notes. Um, and I speak about this because there were some residents who, who I was friends with while I was on the interview trail. And they're like, you know, my PD like loves thank you notes. If you really like this place, just spend the five extra minutes, write the thank you note. And then from there, I was like, well, it's not that hard to just, you know, do the thank you notes everywhere. But it's not a guarantee. It's not like this wonderful, magical ticket that all of a sudden, oh my God, this glorious thank you note that brought tears to my eyes. Let's rank Nahal as number one. Like, no, that's not what's going to happen. For me, it was just like a little extra thank you for, you know, uh, taking the time out of your day to interview me and, and things like that. Um, I don't really know. I'm assuming every thank you note that you give this time around, if you choose to do so, is going to be likely through email because, um, some of the places they paid for your hotel and they gave you like goodie bags and things like that. So obviously I'm going to write a thank you note about those things, but um, unfortunately for you guys, that is not going to happen. And so, you know, like these kinds of things, like, thank you for your time. It's not, it's not that bad. Um, just a quick email. And also it's another way for you to connect with the PD, right? Or the APD it can be like, Oh, thank you for blah, 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 blah. Oh, and I have this follow-up question. I was wondering if you can answer and, you know, like, you know, start a rapport and see where that takes you. I think like an interesting point of this question is that we both did totally opposite things and we both ended up fine. Yeah. And so I think one thing to keep in mind is that like, so for me, like I was extremely anxious during the application season because I had an idea of what I wanted and like, I was just really scared for whatever reason, like that was just how I dealt with the stress of like going through applications and sending a thank you note was like just one other thing to me that I felt like, oh my God, could this make or break me? And it felt like it was adding just more stress to my life. And then I realized I have to do what makes me feel the most comfortable. And so I just chose not to do it. And so I, I'll just put that out there. It was really weird for me too, especially because like people are super nice, but like, I would just try to like end every interview I had with a strong thank you and just kind of cut it off. So it's interesting that you guys did have two different perspectives because we've asked this question quite a few times and every single time it's like a 50, 50 split. So it's, it, I think it's very um, dependent on the person that would be writing them and the person receiving them. So it all just is, is very much a, a personal choice. One of the things I had wanted to mention earlier that I, I thought about while you guys were talking, when we had asked about how to show programs interest, I, I wanted to give a little plug because some of the program directors that I've talked to that have been on panel since made a point of saying that 
during these panels, they're paying attention to who's participating and, and coming to these things. They recognize the faces um, of, of individuals that are coming to the Zoom. So I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, the panels that AEM has been doing um, and encourage participants to come to those because that is a way for you to show interest uh, to these programs. While we're on the topic of the post-interview, how did you keep track of your thoughts and feelings about the programs as you leave the interview? So since this is very fresh for me, I can tell you, I was given really good advice. I was told, listen, after every interview, write three things that you noticed, that you liked, that you disliked about the interview immediately. Each place gave like a little packet or whatever, or create a spreadsheet and write it because you're going to forget, like as the interviews trickle in and roll in, you're going to forget some of the feelings that you had and some of the vibes that you had. So that immediate fresh thought, always, 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 I wrote three different things about them, like what I liked, what I disliked, um, just so that later on in the future, when I needed to rank the programs, I had these like little blurbs of each program that I had that I completely forgot about. And then you go back and you think about it and you're like, oh, okay, because things really start blending in. You know, when you get that 10th Y emergency medicine, it's just everything just blends in and it becomes tiring. And so, yeah, I would definitely keep in mind every time you do an interview, write like a little jot down a little note, like your thoughts, your feelings, what you liked, what you disliked about them. And then out of mind, go and do something fun because yeah, you got an interview and you survived it and you're going to move on with your life. But eventually that's a good way of like keeping track of each place and kind of when it comes rank day, you can figure out what is most important to you and what isn't most important to you and what place really gave you good vibes and what place you're like, I don't really know if I would fit there. I had a spreadsheet as well and I would just document what the program was, kind of try to remember who I interviewed with and how I felt and then some good things. Not every program had something that I didn't like, which is kind of a good thing. But one other thing that I did that I feel like I've done even through residency when I'm on different rotations is that I have a few people in my life who I really trust, who I really believe know me. My husband is one of them. My sister is another one. I feel like after every interview, I called my husband and I called my sister and kind of like hashed out like, oh my God, this happened and this is how I felt and this is what happened and this is, you know, whatever. And then I would also take note of their reactions. And then a few weeks from then, like if we were talking, they would casually be like, remember how you felt at that interview? That was so great. And I would keep track of that because I was like, these are people who actually really, really know me and they know how I've reacted in multiple situations. They know when I'm happy, they know when I'm unhappy. And so when it came time to do the rank list, I had like kind of an army with me who like was like, well, you weren't really happy after that one. Or like you were like ecstatic, like on cloud nine after that one. And that really kind of helped play a role in my rank as well. That's wonderful. So now that you guys have been at your programs, you did the interview, you've matched, now you're there. Um, was your impression that you had of your program on the interview actually what you've received now at the program. So how does your current experience line up with what your expectations have been? My program, um, I, I rotated as a medical student at my program. So I think I had kind of an insight to how it was. Of course, you won't know until you're actually a resident there. But I, I had known some of the residents and been exposed to the patients and the attendings. So that to me, I felt like I had kind of an inside thing more than like just a one day interview. That being said, my program is exactly the way that it was described to me. And I feel like, to be honest with you, most of the interviews I went on, most of the things in emergency medicine are pretty similar. Like the rooms are actually exactly similar. Like you'll see as you go on interviews, it's part of the beauty of emergency medicine is that like every ER is more or less the same and you all have the same stuff. It's all kind of located in the same spot. Like, so, you know, in that, in that aspect, like most places were the same. So I feel like the little things that are important to you, you should identify them at the beginning of the application cycle. If the underserved population is important to you, 
of course, you're going to want to be and feel more comfortable at the programs that value that. If like having a family and family life is more important to you, you're going to be more comfortable at a program where other people might have a family or like really value the vacation time or the time off or like no overnight shifts for interns, like those type of things, like those little things that you don't think about when you're going through because you're so focused on like, I just want to match those end up being the things that actually really make a difference in your day-to-day life as a resident. So I matched into a completely new program. I was very nervous uh, starting my intern year at a program that was just fresh and completely new, but it turned out that it is an awesome program. Honestly, you end up matching where you belong. I know everyone says this all the time, but it's really true, which is why it's so important to be as professionally honest. Now there's like a spectrum in terms of honesty, but, um, but to be really true to yourself when they're asking you questions, because they're really, you know, once you get into that interview step, you're like almost there at that point, they're just trying to figure out if you have the personality to fit with their program, if like they want to work with you or not. And I noticed, and I told them before this panel uh, officially began that, all of my residents are different shades of me. We all have the same personality somewhat. We're all like outgoing, chill individuals. And we just, we get along really, 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 really well, which is really key and really important. Like she mentioned, most EDs have basically the same function. You think you're going to get some nurses. There's some ER techs, you know, there's some computers and stethoscopes abundance like you know the the mix of emergency medicine doesn't really change of course there are different kinds you know you have community medicine versus super academic medicine those are when things start teasing out looking a little bit different but in terms of the core crux of it I felt like my program promised certain things and they certainly delivered it and if not more you know um, I think the program directors do a really really good job Um, especially of being honest and upfront. Like I love my program director a lot. He is amazing. And he's one of the grandfathers of of emergency medicine. If you guys get a chance to go and talk to him, you'll know exactly what I mean. Like he's the Santa Claus of emergency medicine, if you will. And so, yeah. So with that vibe, that's the kind of vibe and energy I have at my residency program. And because we're brand new, They take what we say to, they put a lot of weight with what what we say because they're testing things out on us and whether we like it or we don't like it, when we voice our opinions, it matters and they try and help us get to our goals. Um, Ultimately, it's been a very interesting experience. There've been some tough roads because, you know, we don't get the same things that some established programs have, but at the same time, we get the benefit of some things that established programs don't have either. And so it's very cool and it's very interesting, but yeah, I feel like the interviews do a good job of kind of telling you what the vibe of their emergency department is like. Unfortunate for you, a lot of places that I interviewed at, I did like a shadow day. You can do that for a lot of places. You can like shadow the ED for a couple of hours. And there were times where I did the interview and I was like, oh my God, this place is amazing. I'm definitely going to rank this place high. And then I did my shadow shifts and I was like, hell no, there's no way I can't. This place is horrible. So toxic, so terrible. Like what is happening right now? Um, So you won't have that. So the way that you're going to figure that out is by reaching out to residents and talking to residents because residents are very honest. They're going to tell you the miserable residents, they will tell you why they're miserable, why they're upset, why they wish that they ranked somewhere else. Like they really don't have anything to lose. And for the most part, a lot of residents look out for each other. So I was warned when I was on my interview trail last year, that if I interview at any place where they don't have lunches or any kind of social interaction with the residents, that's a huge red flag because it means that like they don't want you to talk to their residents because their residents are so miserable. This won't necessarily apply this time around. It doesn't mean anything because maybe a lot of programs don't know how they can put residents all in a group, especially during COVID times, and then have you all chat on like one tiny computer. But yeah, if there's opportunities, like the way that you can kind of suss out the program and see if it might be a good vibe for you is to talk to the residents because they're they're very honest and they'll give you what they like about the program, what they dislike about the program. If they could do it all over again, would they come back to the program or not? So... Great, thanks. So we have two more questions that I'm gonna ask. So 
we know this is a strange year with this virtual formatting and these panels that you guys have been on. Have you, do you have any recommendations to students to be well received via Zoom or anything that you've seen on uh, panels that you've been on that, hey, don't do that during an interview or something like that? Every time you do any of these things and your camera is on, it's an interview, no matter what. They're treating it exactly like they did during interview times when we would have socials the night before interviews. No matter what, they had always warned you, don't get drunk, always dress professionally, never curse, do all these random things. Because even though they said, oh, this is just a social, you know, this is an interview, your interview's tomorrow, we want everyone to be cash, that's a lie. Every time that, you know, eyes and ears everywhere. So if the camera is on and you're talking to a program director, be respectful of their time. And that also means look clean. Don't come showing up when you're like pajamas or whatever, or slurp on some food and stuff while you're talking to the program director and they're giving you their time because it comes off like the vibe that you're giving, that you present yourself on the camera, that's the vibe that they're going to take. So if you show up in like a cleanish kind of area, good lighting, and you represent someone who's clean, who's taking this very seriously, it comes off much better than somebody who's like dressed slovenly and they're constantly interrupted. And like, you know, like there's a bunch of trash behind them. Like, don't do that. Treat this like a job interview because that is really what it is. This is a job interview. And so every time, even a small thing such as this, treat each one like a job interview because that is essentially what this is. I would say that our program has had a series of Zoom panels where we've like invited um, applicants to come and ask questions about like the general program, diversity, inclusion, women in emergency medicine, like all these type of little breakouts. I think overall, I can say that like everybody understands that this is a really hard year. The PDs, the APDs, the residents, everybody knows that like you guys are feeling stressed because we ourselves are feeling stressed trying to select a group of applicants that we're meeting through Zoom. So you have that advantage going for you. I'll echo what Nahal said. Anytime you're seen, it's an interview for sure. But I would say that like, it's okay if you're not going to be the one who has the guts to turn on the mic and speak up to a room full of people that you don't know. And it's okay if you do have the guts to do that. All you have to do is be very thankful and present yourself in a professional manner. I really appreciate that. And little things I do appreciate is like if people have their camera on and they're like nodding along when somebody's talking, <laughs> it shows that you're a little bit engaged, you know, instead of like you're letting our Zoom panel run in the background while you're doing your things. Don't worry. We understand. Like we all have other things going on too, but like this is your chance to be engaged with us and like try to figure us out as well. So I always appreciate that. All right. So our last question, and then we'll wrap up and let you ladies go. Is there any general advice that you have for medical students as they finish up ERAS and look towards the interview season? We're about three weeks out. So I'm going to give some uh, advice and then I'm also going to tell you guys to just go with the flow, which is a lot harder said than done. Um, trust me, since I just went through this. The one thing about the ERAS is I would get somebody to read through everything top to finish because it's such a pain to do. And you're just like going at it and your eyes are just burning and you're wondering why you decided to do this to yourself. So there are sometimes there's little mistakes and things, little grammatical errors. I don't think that it's going to fault you, but you know what? Like you don't want anything stopping you from like getting an interview or anything like that. So I would highly recommend that you find someone trustworthy, even someone who's not in medicine to just go through and read the entire thing from top to finish and pick out grammatical errors and things like that. I did that. I had my um, younger sister actually look through everything and she was able to pick out sentences that she was saying didn't make sense at all. And so it was good that I was able to change things around so that when it, when ERAS time came and I put in my application, everything looked crisp and clean and I felt better. Um, in terms of the application process, it is so stressful. And I just want to say that it's going to be very important that you find the person that you trust, your positive person, your cheerleader, the person who's going to pick you up because, you know, you're going to put yourself down or maybe not, but 
it's hard. You're going to get these moments where people are going to be like, you know what, emergency medicine is not going to happen for you. Sorry, move on with your life or, you know, double apply or do this or do that or get million advice or tell you like, oh, don't do this. But it's like, you already did it. So the point is, is that have right now at this very moment, find the people that are always going to be like your cheerleaders that are going to be your positive reinforcement that you can call and let them know how the interview went, that you can rely on them to just like complain or talk to them about like how you're not getting the interviews or what are you doing wrong? Or like, you know, all these thoughts about life, maybe emergency medicine isn't for me, like whatever you want to do, but you need somebody that you can kind of hash and talk it out because it's so helpful. Like sometimes it's hard to remain positive at all times. So it's nice to have like a mentor or somebody that can always cheer you up or tell you, you know what, like keep going. You've worked so hard that you can do this. And frankly, if you really want emergency, truly want it, it can happen for you. It definitely will, you know, like strive for your dreams and see where, where it lands. You know, um, there are so many people that have taken different journeys to get into emergency medicine and it's a wonderful, wonderful career pathway. I'm sure all of you guys will get to get to emergency medicine one way or another. Always reach out for help. It's not a terrible thing to ask for help. There's so many people out there who want to help you get to where you want to go and your goals and aspirations. Like I stood on the shoulders of giants and this is how I was successful. And my motto is to like give back as much as possible and help as much as possible because I got a lot of help moving forward too. Um, so always reach out for help if you want. Um, for the most part, people are really kind and nice and want to help. So you guys got this. You got this. General advice for ERAS. So I felt when I was doing my ERAS application, I felt like the less important portions of it, like your name, your address, your scores, like all those like check boxes, you can just fill out right away. You can't change that. That's your name. That's your score. That's your, that's, that's just, it is what it is. You know, just fill out that part of the application and tuck it away. The parts that were hard for me was the answering of like, I did this activity and like, why did I do it? And what did it mean? And the personal statement took me for a ride. So I, I really struggled with the personal statement, not because I had no idea why I wanted to go into emergency medicine, but because I wanted to write about the real reason I wanted to go into emergency medicine, which was a pretty heavy hitting reason. And I didn't know because I went on student doctor network and like, you know, did all this other stuff. If that like, am I allowed to be myself in the personal statement? Is that going to be held against me? I just remember hearing all the time that like, 95% of personal statements are like the meat and potatoes and just like basic dinner. There's going to be 5% that are extraordinary and 5% that are horrible. Don't try to be the 5%. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm trying to be the 5% and explain why. The only reason I survived this is because I met a mentor actually at an AAEM RSA event who like held my hand read my personal statement, told me to be who I am. And she's a queen and she's a queen in emergency medicine. And so, you know, Nahal is saying absolutely the right thing. And if you think that you don't have anybody or that nobody out there is looking to find you, like we have all gotten here because we were helped by others and we are all looking down and trying to help whoever we can, especially those of us who like don't our first generation physicians and really had to get a lot of help to get to the place that we are today from people who understood the process. So especially like I would remember the names of people who are participating in Zoom panels and trying to reach out to prospective applicants. And, you know, if every single one of you cold emailed me and said, read my personal statement, it might take me a minute, but I promise you, I would try because we are really looking for, this is our specialty. This is our family and we want people who fit with our family. And so that's very important. So I would say like, be who you really are, find a mentor, turn things in on time. That's very important. 
and know that your application is not technically complete without your personal statement, but for the most part it is. So like turn in your ERS when it opens. Another thing I would keep in mind is that emergency medicine interviews, I don't know how it'll be this year, but in my year, didn't go out at the same time as internal medicine, family medicine, pediatrics. So by the time I got my first couple interviews, some of my friends going into those specialties already had all their interviews and had already gone on an interview. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not getting interviews? Traditionally for emergency medicine, most interviews have come after ASEP weekend because that's just kind of the way it is. We were kind of slow getting interviews out. I don't know how this year will change, but just know that like, you're not alone going through it. You're not getting, you're not hearing back, not because like you're never going to make it and you're the only one. It's just, it's just the way the culture is and the specialty. You are going to make it. If you want to make it, you will make it. I promise you. And if you're proactive enough to be on these Zoom calls and trying to reach out and ask for advice, I promise you, you will make it. Well, we want to be respectful of your time and we appreciate this hour that you spent with us just feeding us all these amazing tidbits so much. So thank you so much, Dr. Asma and Dr. Nahal. So we'll wrap this up. Have a wonderful night, everyone. Bye. Good luck, everyone. Bye. Good luck. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast brought to you by the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. For more information about AAEM RSA, visit the website at www.aaemrsa.org. Listen to all podcasts in this series and explore the ways you can get involved with RSA. Join us again next episode for another topic of importance for emergency medicine residents and students.